0: Like if he draws a circle and it's not perfect, he'll have a meltdown. If he colors out the line, he has a meltdown. And I was like, don't be perfect. Perfect is boring, Wyatt. You don't want to be perfect. So then I'm like, but am I encouraging him to not do things well or not try? But I feel like there's a difference. The difference is your reaction to
1: the mistake. Although with driving, you do want to stay inside the lines. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. There is (laughs) there. It's like, Hello and welcome to Fiction Between Friends, a podcast dedicated to books and book lovers like us. I'm Josephine Angelini.
0: I'm Lauren Sanchez. I'm Alyssa Hilfinger. And I'm Aileen Calderon. We're four childhood friends from the suburbs of Massachusetts. We've always loved to read almost as much as we love to talk to each other. We started this podcast as a way to celebrate how a really good book can come into your life and change it. So if you're looking for fun and engaging conversations about books, stick around. This is fiction between friends, and we're glad you've joined us.
1: Welcome back. This is season two, episode 12. I'm Josephine Angelini, and joining me are my dear friends, Aileen Calderon. Hello. Lauren Sanchez. Hi there. And Alyssa Hilfinger. Hi. So how's everyone
2: doing? Lauren, were those pictures of prom tonight? Yes. Okay. It's cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> <The other week. laughs> yeah, that's true. So, and then they have school weekend. tomorrow?
0: Yeah. And a Wednesday. So then they still have Thursday and Friday.
2: They all looked great. They looked awesome. Right, yeah. right. And excited and happy. Yeah.
0: Do you remember our prom?
3: Yes, remember, doing the
2: chicken dance. Do you remember the
3: doing problem. the dance before the prop? <laughs> What was that oh, dance? Oh, the grand march. Nobody mm-hmm. does that. That's Nobody so does weird. that. Weird. We,
2: d- yeah. yeah, I, I don't understand. Okay. I mean, it I was mean, a nice that, idea. It, it
3: is a nice idea, and it gives like a formality to it, right?
1: It used to be more like an actual prom. Well, prom means promenade to walk. The like you right just, like, yeah. walk right. and march and show off. What you're wearing.
0: I don't know. Right. Wait, And our prom was the one that had the after party at the Y, where they basically yes. forced us to mm-hmm. stay up all night. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. That but now that all the way yeah. schools
2: do that. They, they either do an after prom all night lock in or an after graduation all night lock in.
0: I remember being yeah. exhausted. That's the only thing yeah. I remember from that experience. I remember sitting in the hallway wanting to just take a nap. And I was, was sitting next sleep. to you. But you remember we had Sundays first. Do you remember all of us standing outside having Sundays? Yes. We're standing. Oh, yeah.
2: The ice table. cream
1: bar. Yeah. We had like, oh, oh I I just my God. I remember being tired. We shared a. Well, we didn't share one, but we made our Sundays with each other and then I we said, oh, my god you were wiped out too that is true and yeah. then
2: you had your hair in this oh, like the hair. not
1: lauren no side, side
2: ponytail, ponytail.
3: <laughs> I, don't, I just it, remember I guess, seeing let me, I was like, let let me remind you it's not lauren <laughs> no i had it braided from the nape of my neck up yes top of my head my hairdresser was like this is all the rage and then she like did this thing and it was like <gasps> it was terrible you had the the fall like the poofy fall
1: <laughs> yeah
2: and then Aileen had the hot red mermaid dress. Oh, yeah. Yes, you look great
0: in red. <laughs> I look so good. I wear I red. I never wear red anymore. Just you black. look good in it.
1: I know. Me too. I'm all black. Well, not right now. Now I look like a gypsy's tablecloth. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of do. It was so hot today. I went to pick up. I went to pick up Pia, and I'm just oh my god. I
0: was like, what's cool? Where's my moomoos? I know. I actually went and bought shorts like hard shorts, because I have like all these like crappy old Navy shorts from the past couple of years when I was Mm -hmm. just at home. And I was like, oh, I need like nice shorts, like Mm -hmm. ones that zip up and have buttons and stuff. I mean, I went to Target and just bought a bunch of cheap shorts, but it made me feel better. (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) Buttons and zippers, I think, are overrated. And I have to put a plug in for Spanx shorts. Ooh, you know, Spanx, the yeah. You know shapewear company well, yeah yeah they apparently also sell clothes and their shorts they are not inexpensive. that's the drawback but they're elastic waist, but they look I don't know they they look n- nice. they have little belt loops they have pockets really but they're stretchy and do they make your ass look amazing? Oh my ass looks so good in these shorts <laughs> <laughs> and yeah they're like water resistant they dry really fast they're sand resistant they're they're fantastic
0: all right i can I'm get behind this out. yeah me yeah too. but they're yeah. not cheap they're 78 bucks i can i can handle that for a good pair of shorts oh and you wouldn't guess they're i was expecting them to be like weird spandex image. i know they're not they're like normal shorts yeah this is very exciting Alyssa. i do love mine
3: i Let's was just online shop
0: for the whole episode i know we should Yeah. (laughs) All right. I'm going to do this. I
1: loved my book this week. I loved, loved, loved it. Me too. I thought my book was amazing. And I'm so glad you recommend who recommended it first, Aileen or Alyssa? Was it
0: like a group effort? probably a group effort. Yeah, that's a great book. It's a great book. Being turned into a movie series, something. I think think Reese Witherspoon has her hands on it.
2: It is. I saw a trailer for it. And is it movie theater movie or is it streaming
1: movie? That I don't know, but I know it's a movie. Oh, I think it is going to the movie theaters because I was buying shoes and I saw a poster for it by the movie theater. So it's going to be there.
2: That was one of the reasons why I read it recently was because I wanted to read it. I mean, it's in the greater
1: zeitgeist of good books. Like the book you're doing is one that I think a lot of people read. Where, Yeah. Where the Crawdads Sing. Yeah. 10 million readers. They've just. Got over the ten million readers. Yeah, and it wasn't her first. It was, it's her. It was her first fiction novel. So she's she had written three. Not.
0: I'm going to talk about it later. I'm trying to just talk about you in. Wait for movies. Crap. When was? Have you guys been to a movie theater recently? I know. I Realize I haven't been to the movies in years. Oh, Mm-mm. I've been. I've been. What we did would, you
1: see? Um. So we took our daughter to see The Bad Guys because we had read the. Oh, we've yeah. read all of the comics. She loves. Yeah. My daughter loves. Um
3: graphic novels. novels
1: she reads all these graphic novels like cucumber quest and the bad guys and even that bad kitty which Bad oh, yeah kitty's not my favorite mm-hmm. but i love like cucumber quest i love the bad guys i thought it was hilarious like mm-hmm. the attack of the zittens the zombie kittens had me in stitches i was laughing through that whole thing so, yeah. So we had to go see the bad guys and we really enjoyed it. I was like, popcorn. I was
0: like, food, I haven't prepared myself. It's like the first time in forever. I keep hearing that the new Top Gun is really good. And that seems like yeah, one that'd be fun to see in a theater.
1: I yeah, guess. I would go see that. Oh, but we we all got to wear 80s
0: clothes if we go and see it. Lauren, you have to do your hair with the braid I was, at the
3: back. Yeah, I'll do my hair with the braid. I was just my
0: Side ponytail, lots of hairspray. Yeah, but that was the well, anybody else been to the movies like that was the only I movie mean, I've, I've seen, seen like I went to
3: Spider-Man with the girls. That was pretty awesome. My kids love. Wait,
2: Spider-Man, not the new Batman.
3: I haven't seen that one yet, but my girls love to watch superhero movies especially yeah Superman. me too no but i don't i don't, I don't, go, to, I don't go to see movies for myself i can't even watch them on netflix i like series as you know
1: lauren's in it for the long haul she I wants am. a couple of years a few seasons
0: she wants <laughs> to spend time with the characters These are
3: like one and done it's like a
0: well, one-night stand <laughs> in the middle of in the middle of covid new jersey theater movie theaters were letting you rent out movie theaters and it, it was like i think it was like 200 bucks but you could mm-hmm. bring all your friends and you could choose what movie you saw which i thought was Awesome! Like you could just get like yeah. twenty Oh, That's great, and have a movie theater all to yourself. Especially if you have kids, because then mm-hmm. they can run around and be crazy and not bother anyone except for you. But right,
2: we thought about doing that for David's birthday.
1: Yeah, because they were doing that around here.
2: It's a good idea. Yeah, it's a good idea. We should have invested in that for an adult night.
1: I didn't do it. I didn't do anything. I just stayed at
0: home. Got increasingly paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was everyone's hobby at that right. <laughs> what? can we worry about next? I'm just I'm going
1: to stay home. I think my garden of neuroses. How nuts can I be after two years? Yeah. Aileen, what was your book?
0: Okay, I will go. I read The Paper Palace by Miranda Cowley Heller. And I'm not going to lie, I finished it a little while ago. So it's (laughs) sort of not as in my head as I would like. And I started reading it before we decided what we were going to do for this episode. And so the interesting thing about this book is I started reading it and I was like, oh, it's just like a light beach read. It's not going to be interesting to talk about. I don't know if it's a good podcast book. And then, oh, my God, it had a turn. And I remember talking to you guys saying, like, I don't know, I really like this book, but I just think it's kind of fluffy and I don't know if it's going to be any good. And then I got a few more pages in and I was like, holy shit. It's sitting on my bedstand. I have to read it. Oh, you have to read. Well, let me. What's it about? uh, It is about this woman named Elle who is 50 years old. She is married to Peter. Um, has three kids and the paper palace is her grandmother's cottage on Cape Cod where she's gone her entire life. So it takes place. She's in her 50s. They're vacationing there. They're with her childhood best friend Jonas and his wife. Um, They're all hanging out there one night and Jonas and Al go and fuck outside the house while their families are inside hanging out. So starts off basically with a big bang, literally. Uh-huh. <laughs> so there they and then they go back in and are like, oh, shit, what what did we do? And then, you know, he's saying, I've always been in love with you. Like they've known each other since they were little kids hanging out in the Cape. So then it follows theirs And she's like, oh, shit, like I, I still love my husband. I don't I don't know what to do. And so you're sort of like, I get the gist of this, like unrequited love, like you've been in love forever. What are you going to do about it? But then it goes back and it tells the story of them as kids and follows their childhoods. I don't I don't really want to give anything away, but there's basically, there's an event that happens. Something really horrible starts happening to Elle. And she tell, come when they're kids and she confides in Jonas and tells him about it. And there's, I don't, do I give, give it away? I feel like it's a major plot point, but it's also a book that's been out for a little while. Do it. Talk do about it. it. I
2: want to know what happens.
0: But Me basically, too. she comes from a really screwed up family. Her mother has been married a few times. Her mother gets married to a guy who has this son named Conrad. And basically Conrad starts coming into Elle's room every single night and molesting her. And it's the way it's handled is it's really disturbing. It's handled in a she handles it. The author handles it really well, like the way that she talks about and describes it. And it's still like kind of awful to read about. But it goes on like every summer. And then she finally tells Jonas and then one day, Jonas, Conrad and Elle are out on a sailboat and there's a storm and basically Conrad falls overboard and they just let him drown. And then they make it. it then it appears to be an accident to everyone else. They agree that they're never going to tell anyone about it. So that's when I was like, oh, shit, this just took right. a really dark turn. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have this really dark bond um, that. Ties them together, and then they kind of go their separate ways. Elle eventually meets her husband Peter. One of the things that was interesting about the book, like, so the whole book is it's taking place, you know, present day on the Cape, but then it keeps flashing back to different points in their lives as their paths intersect and things that happen to them. But one the thing that's interesting is like Elle's husband Peter is lovely. Like, there's a lot of times it's like you know the woman is married to this total douchebag, and you're like, you should leave him, go for the one. <laughs> But her husband is just, this really like loving father, loving husband. He's total sarcastic wise ass, has this like great rapport with her mother. Her mother's name is Wallace. Oh, cool. <laughs> that's like a cool name. Her mother is a total character and a pain in the ass. So you're not really rooting for one over the other because Jonas, Peter is, I think, like a, he works in, he, he's like a reporter in finance or something weird like that. And Jonas is more of like an artist. But both Jonas and Peter are interesting characters and they're both good decent people so you're you're sort of as a reader you're torn like you don't know you don't really have a strong opinion about how who she should be with other than stay with your husband so you don't destroy your family because you have three kids so it just kind of follows their story that day in the on the cape as they're both dealing with kind of the aftermath of what's happened between them and then looking back in their lives um and at the end she has to make a choice i won't say what her choice is i mean it's it's well. It's well written. It's an engrossing story. It just, it, it, yeah, it got more complicated than I thought it was mm, going to. As yeah. I started reading, like it made it more interesting for me because there was more to the story than like who's she going to end up with, right? Like, How did you pick that book? How did you had that come across you? I think I think somebody was talking about it on social media or something. Like it's a fairly recent book. The author actually, it's her first book. She is a writer for, um, she's been a writer for The Sopranos, Six Feet Under the Wire, Big Love. Like she was a writer or, sorry, she was senior vice president and head of drama series at HBO. So she was like, wow. Yeah. And then I guess she decided to write a book and it's good. She's a good writer. What's her name again? Uh, Miranda Cowley Heller. Um, And her, her dialogue's really good. Like I said, the husband is a sarcastic, wise ass. So. Like, his exchanges with the mother are are great. Um, so this is Peter and Elle. Um, he's he's British, so he's just, I think, flown over from London to see her. This is while they're dating. Um, so this is Peter speaking. Elle, I've just flown across the Atlantic in a raging storm to see my beautiful girlfriend, who, for the record, I am sickeningly, utterly in love with. I'm exhausted. All I've eaten in the past 12 hours is a piece of moldy cheese, and my socks are wet. He sits down on my bed and pulls me onto his lap. Be nice. Ugh, you're right. I I burrow my head into his chest. I should be glad you've cheered cheered her up. I'm gl- I am glad. It's just been a shitty few days, and I missed you. I know that's why I'm here. He lies down in my ancient twin bed. His feet stick out two feet off the bottom. Hmm. He says, "I may need to sleep in your mother's bed after all." I fucking hate you, Pete. I know all the women do. That's my particular charm, and I laugh despite myself. Um,
2: so just I can you um read that again? But if he's from.
1: England, I want a British accent.
0: I don't (laughs) do accents. I don't sing and I don't do accents. So
1: wait, Aileen. So he's, is this multiple first person points of view? No,
0: it's just hers. L, main character.
1: Oh, okay. It sounded like it was from his point of view for a second. Maybe I got my pronouns all mixed up.
0: Well, and when he says her begs, they're talking about her mother because she's frustrated with her mother and he's, he's been like charming and endearing with her mother. Gotcha. Gotcha. I still want you to do the British accent. I, do. <laughs> I don't care if it's your birthday. Maybe one night if you get me drunk enough, I'll do it. Nice. Do you do accents? Who, me? Yeah. Not well.
2: Mine mine, all sound some variation of Australian-British.
3: <laughs> After I had lived in Scotland for a few months, five months or whatever, I could pull it off. But really? Can you still? No. No, I can't. For Sure. Dying to hear you try, though I know, right? (laughs) I'd have to warm up ahead of time. Ugh,
2: let (laughs) it
0: huck that loogie. Get yourself warmed up. Actually, I have to read a church on Sunday in Spanish. Oh, that's cool. I got to practice that. Nice. Um, Yeah. So this book I liked. It's like a yeah. I guess like we were saying, it's like an intense beach read, and it feels like a (laughs) book that's probably going to get made into a limited series or yeah that's funny thought like you're at barnes noble and you're like i'm looking for a beach read
3: and you're like oh there there's a section over there and that's beach reads. so uh um, lauren what did you what?
0: read <laughs> i read mr wrong number as you speak directly into your mic at all times i read <laughs> <laughs>
3: i read mr wrong number by uh by lynn painter lynn painter and it's a rom-com and i thought a lot about I compared this book a lot to the X-Talk while I read it because, well, before I say anything else, if Aileen Martin read or wrote any book, this would be the book. Re- because, really? I know uh, how I feel about that. Yeah. Because I, can, I could really feel your voice in this one. So this book is about a woman who's basically just a mess answer. <laughs> <burned it. laughs> she said you would I'm write with you. I'm book. with you. Not that it's about you. <laughs> <laughs> she breaks up with her boyfriend in Chicago. She lived there for like about two years. And she burnt, she is. This reminds me of Aileen very much right here because we burned her notebooks the last day of school when you're in her mm, Yeah, mm-hmm. It was very bad. Very bad. Yeah. And this not ever do burned, that. Don't do that. I tell my girls all the time never burn shit in the
0: tuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's that <laughs>
3: a terrible idea. Big mistake.
0: <laughs> Marla will be pissed. And you'll be lucky you don't burn the house
3: down. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, so she burns her, ha- her apartment building down in Chicago. <laughs> Why is this funny to me? I don't know why I'm laughing so because much. It's a, because it's a coffee. <laughs> because I and, can uh, picture Aileen doing it. Right. So <laughs> she burns it down because she's burning the love letters from her ex. So she has nowhere to go. She ends up moving. Okay, get this. I had no idea. I had no idea where this where she moved for the longest time. I'm flipping through the book. I'm like, where the hell does she live? Omaha. I'm like, who moves to Omaha? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> me apparently. apparently. <laughs> Moves, to, moves in with her brother in her hometown city of Omaha, mm-hmm. And this book is basically one of those, she's going to fall in love with the older brother's best friend trope, you know. So her, by the way, her name is Olivia, a.k.a. Libby Marshall. And his name is Colin Beck. And her brother's name is Jack. And there's other people involved in the story as well. But these are the three main characters. And... Very soon after she, Wait, like I said, there are, what, what, what? There, are there are other people there. I'm just not going to go there. There's some guy at the. Deli. Too much information. <laughs> uh, Sorry, that's okay. So she receives them. She, you know, have you ever received a, the wrong, like a, a message from the wrong number on your phone? Yes. Okay. Well, she gets one from this guy, or she assumes to be a guy. I actually, I actually took notes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Who <Where> are you?
3: I <laughs> know. Chann- channeling Alyssa. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Of course, the well first done. the first one that we needed. She's like, I took notes, but I lost it. <laughs> My Wait, dog I the dog ate them. <laughs> hold on. Oh, here it is. The paper moon. So she gets this text from some random stranger. I says, babe, WTF. And she texts back um, into the mic. She texts him back and she says, he texts her and says, tell me. So tell me exactly what are you wearing? And she texts back. Seriously, babe, I thought you'd think it's hot. They start texting back and forth like she she names him um, Mr. Wrong Number and he calls her Miss Miss Dial. And it turns oh, out. It. Yeah. And they talk about all kinds of things from like, help me out of here at work to tell me your favorite kind of sex. And they that, like they that on sexting or just friendly. No, no, no. Talk. They keep it clean. They keep clean. They do talk oh. about that. She's like, I'll block you the, se- the second you ask for a, a nude. But it turns out that this guy is her. Brother's best friend, who's in the apartment. She's like, come on. Of course. Of course. Of course it is. And um, does he know? Does he know the whole time? He he figures it out at some point. Okay. He figures it out. So she's also she's a writer. She she gets this job working writing a um, a parenting column but she's not a parent so she's basically lying. So this is where I was kind of reminded of the Ex-Talk the lying reporter or writer. Um it's found out she gets fired and there she is again looking for
0: Wait, doubt can I just say that would be amazing, a parenting column written by somebody not You're a parent, right? That'd be great. The
3: reason why I think that this book could have been written by Eileen Martin is because the bantering and the <laughs> the bantering and the uh, the text messages just screamed Amy more. And so I do think you should read it. It's a very light read. You know, they're going to fall in love. You know, it's a rom-com. Where, where else could this go? Right. But a great it, dialogue. Yeah. Great dialogue. It's the process of getting to that point. There could have been more sex. I would have been happier, but it was a cute story overall. You know, they end up together. I'm I'm going to spoil it for everybody, but they, everybody knows it's going to end They have to end up I together. Always, yeah. What, what would you do? do? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, would you write a book about two people who didn't end up together? It's like, like,
3: so we have Well, we 10 speech reads and then we have nuts one.
2: But did, do you remember Circle of Friends? Yes. And they made that into a movie and they changed the ending in the movie where the characters get together because in the book they don't. Oh. And I remember reading the book and being really satisfied that at the end they don't get together. And it seemed much more realistic where it was these two people who... You know, had to navigate their social world after having this attempted relationship. relationship. I also really liked that was Minnie Driver in the movie.
0: Oh yeah, I don't so, remember that.
3: I can read. I actually have a little bit of text here to read. Too, okay, right? yeah, okay. I feel like
0: you owe us that, Lauren. I'm, gonna, I'm not oh, reading oh, this. Right. Right.
3: I am not reading the sexy. Book. My debut novel, <laughs> <laughs> Mister Wrong Number. I've been in a meeting with a woman for thirty five minutes, and she has no idea that there is a hair on her chin. How do you know it's pear? Because it looked like those slippery canned pears. It could be something gross. Maybe she puked up her lunch just before your meeting and that's a chunk. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, ignoring that, what do I do though? Do I say something? So basically that just screams Aileen Martin. It's a chunk. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I I'm with you. I'm with
1: you.
0: I can see that. <laughs> yeah.
1: That tracks. And also that flirty banter. She's talking about yeah. barf and like <laughs> Yeah.
3: So of course Aileen style <laughs> flirting. Of course, so parallel to this, it is a book told by from different perspectives. So Colin does actually tell from his perspective at some point, too. But, you know, it's the older brother. They end up sleeping together. She has the brother's together. friend, not the older brother. Older brother's <laughs> friend. Yeah, that's a different. Oh, yes, Grant. let me clarify. Flowers in the attic. attic. <laughs> 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 I was just that, Alyssa. So they do end up together. And so he knows that he, who he is, he's Mr. Mistyle, Mr wrong number but she still doesn't realize that he's who he is you know what I mean? yeah she, the woman's always then, the last to know yeah. yeah and then she eventually does find out and of course the shit hits the fan but they end up together so right yeah. it's very you've got male. Yeah. Is it third person,
1: first person from her perspective?
3: It's first person from each of their perspectives.
2: I like that. I like when books alternate perspectives. I like multiple
0: first. They all do it now. Everybody switch perspectives and going back and forward in time and jumping all over the place. It's very cinematic. It's like this is the
1: way, and people's storytelling language has sort of moved more towards filmmaking, which is very. Yeah, I agree with it, that. Well, it's moved more towards small screen, not big screen. So third person would be a film, but small screen, like TV shows, intimate TV shows, that would be like multiple first person points of view because that's I how actually, they're filmed. I, I,
0: actually, read some, I read something recently too that said people's, like, authors' writing style, I think it was influenced by TV. Yeah. and just a note, but the notion of having cliffhangers at the end of chapters to yep. keep writers, to keep readers reading, which I thought was so interesting because I had never thought of, like, I guess modern culture impacting mm. the way people write. But yeah. Oh, the cliffhanger. Yep. That's it. Was
3: it it wasn't mm. what I wanted to read from Josie, but I. Why for me? This is about writing. Oh. I, I get the puke a pear. <laughs> you get a a pear. <laughs> so this is for Josie. This is her part right here. Oh, goody. But the writing today, remember, she's a writer. The writing, oh, how amazing the writing felt. I experienced what could only be called a buzz whenever I was creating a new piece. Whether it was an article on diapers, done that, or a words of my heart short story, I was alive and thrumming and filled with an indescribable electric nerve as I worked to put it all together. I assumed when I was creating that my brain pumped out the same juices as a runner's high, and it made me a word junkie press the feeder bar with the voracious appetite of a freshly trained lab rat. I liked that. Yeah, I like it too.
1: It's very apt. And
0: then you go, shit, what are we going to write next? Ah, <laughs> you wait, Josie, you just finished a book, right?
1: I did. And Albert read it. Just, he said he really liked it. So
0: that was just yeah. yay. Yeah. Does he, have, came does up he a, ever not like it? There are books that he likes more than others. Like
1: <clears throat> you, you get to a certain point and you're sort of not waiting for anyone to like or not like your book. You're just, you're, you're waiting to see if the story works, if there are huge holes in it. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're sort of waiting on them to get through it. And, you know, after you've written like 20 books, it's sort of, you're like well, ah, you know, if he likes it, he doesn't like it. Who cares? I'm just going to write another. But it it's it is gratifying when he says this one I particularly liked. Like this is more my style. This was this book spoke to me more. And because there are definitely books that I've written where he's like, no, it's good. It's just not necessarily for me. And I understand that. Mm, yeah, but nice this, way to this say, book, yeah, this book is more definitely more him. And I I just finished all of his notes on it. I have one more scene to write cuz I realized that there is a scene at the end that I got to f- fix and or write cuz I haven't written it yet. I do that though. I go again, and I'm done. I'm done with the book. Like I I jump out of books really quickly and I don't give the reader any time to wind down. I don't I don't do denouements very well. I just kind of go, "And I'm finished." But do, you uh, do anything to celebrate when you finish a book? No, we didn't this time. Um you know, usually we'll we'll do a little something. I mean, we'll probably when I finish the notes in a couple of days, we'll probably go out to dinner or do something like that. But it just becomes a part of your, Hey, I finished a book. Hey, good for you, kid. You know, (laughs) it feels good for me. Like I have like a, like a little celebration. I feel much lighter. I feel much Mm. more less preoccupied with something. Like I had an idea. It kind of feels like, you know, when you're like waiting to say something and then you say it and you're like, ah, okay. Now I can (laughs) just listen to the the rest of the conversation. because I said That's kind of what it feels like for me but no it came out good i'm really happy with the book i liked it right. a lot can you say which book it is yeah it's um, outcast so it's book 6 in the starcross series so um,
2: how long will it take to go from now to when i get to order it from <laughs> amazon to have it delivered
1: well the books are going to be we decided to do all of the starcross books to put them out one right after the other two a year before we did my big fantasy series the um vault of souls series so it's going to be Science comes out in October, and then six months after that, it's going to be Timeless. Then six months after that, it's going to be the book I just finished, was just Outcast. Then six months after that, it's going to be Endless, which is the final book in Starcross.
0: Oh yeah, it's No More. It,
1: what do you mean, Endless? I know it's exactly, an, but it's not. Right. <laughs> but I got to get the double S's in Starcross, <laughs> Dreamless, Goddess, Outcasts. Okay. Alyssa, let's talk about your book. My book, I read. The Seven Husbands
2: of Evelyn Hugo by Ooh. Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, did you read it?
0: Yeah, yeah, I read all of her books. So,
2: and and you had mentioned this book, and when you were talking about one of her Taylor Jenkins Reid's other books that you had read, Didn't, and yeah, I probably well, yeah, I remember um, in February on the trip that I went on, one of the students was reading this book, and they and then passed it on to somebody else who was reading it, and it started making the rounds, and so. When I see smart, funny women reading books, I take notice and Mm -hmm. I then wanted to read it. And then when you mentioned it, I was like, "Okay, definitely. I had no idea what it was about, no idea what to expect. And the gist of it is that Evelyn Hugo is an old Hollywood movie star, and she's having her memoir written by a no-name newbie author. And the book itself is the telling of Evelyn Hugo's life and learning about who this newbie writer is and why Evelyn chose her to do this particular task. And it came out in 2017. So I don't, it, like you, Aileen, like I'm hesitant to want to say too much about it in case people want to read it and I don't want to spoil it. Um, I So I really liked the way it moved back and forth between... The first person of the reporter or the or the author. Um, but it's first person, so I never so I'm I'm looking through the pages and I can't find who she is. So anyway, they're out to lunch and Evelyn is trying to convince her about this book and it the way it's presented. Um, Evelyn picks up her fork but doesn't do anything with it. I find it very important with a journalist who will hold my legacy in her hands to say exactly what I mean. And to mean what I say, Evelyn says, if I'm going to tell you about my life, I'm going to tell you what really happened, the truth behind all of my marriages, the movies I shot, the people I loved, who I slept with, who I hurt, how I compromised myself and where it all landed me. And then I need to know that you understand me. I need to know that you will listen to exactly what I'm trying to tell you and not place your own assumptions into my story. So that right there is the gist of the book. And and then you start learning every time they sit down together to for Evelyn to tell another chapter of her life, they start talking about it through Evelyn remembering. And so you start to learn who all these husbands are. And each chapter or each section of the book is a different husband. And pretty quickly, I I was at like husband count number four. And I was like, oh, she's already on her fourth husband. But I could totally see why that happened there's i was really surprised at the lack of judgment on my end as to <laughs> oh yeah it makes perfect sense that she has all these husbands like right. i totally understand your are done with move on to the next one they're just right. and and it was very calculated and i mean the first husband was so that she could get out of her dead-end life and she lied about her age married a man who she knew was moving to hollywood and Was with him for four years simply because he he was like literally saving her life from an abusive household to give her an opportunity to become the actress that she knew she could really the star that she knew she could be. She wasn't trying to be an actress. She was trying to become a Hollywood legend. And she did. So that first husband was her ticket to safety and an opportunity. So then she had to divorce him once, you know, she she hit that step. She needed to go on to the next one. And as the story unfolds, you start to really like her, but she's very complicated. And and some of the decisions that she makes are, you know, she she willingly hurts people and uses people, but you understand why she's doing it and you don't necessarily judge her for doing it and you grow to really like her. Trying to see. I So I had to give the book back to the student I borrowed it from. I, <laughs> so I have three photocopied pages <laughs> from the book where I was like, oh, this will be a good page to read something or this will be a good page. Let's
0: see. Well, I feel like it. from what I remember, too, like every relationship was unique. You know, like it wasn't like, oh, he treated her poorly and she left it there. Like there was one of those in there, I think. But then there were other relationships she had that were really kind of unique and interesting. I can't remember what they all were, but she was a beard for somebody, right? I, I loved th- that storyline. No, I thought it was great. But I'm saying that was like one of her one of her husbands. She was
2: Well, she distinctly does not refer to she at the end of the book when she's at the end of her book in her memoir. When she's talking to the author, she says, I think people will be very interested in my seven husbands, but they will be even more interested in my wife and her wife. And they were in their 50s. It was the last relationship that she had. They were in bed together in Spain. I think it was Spain. And they were making this life promise to each other just in their night clothes and wearing their ponytails. And they use their hair ties as wedding rings. And they committed their lives to each other. And at this point it is the eighties um, where they have had to hide their love for each other. Um, not only because just the time period of um, I mean, being gay was not accepted. Everybody hid it. Uh, and they even make reference to like, we can't come out, look at what happened to rock Hudson and how, you know, he used to be loved and now he's nobody wants anything to do with him. Um, so they had to hide it for their own safety, for their own well-being, for their careers. And that, that drove a lot of Evelyn's other marriages was trying to rebound from not being able to be with Cecilia, who she truly loved. But then some of it was trying to have these short-lived interludes with other men to throw the public off of her relationship with Cecilia. But I, I love that was my favorite part. Just this, you saw it the, the devotion and just the passionate love that these two had for each other and how they were together and then they had to be apart and then they came together again and there was a passionate makeout session at one of the um, Academy Award shows and somebody might walk in the bathroom but they didn't care. They were reuniting after all these years. It was it was great. And then, of course, the twist is about why Evelyn chose this particular author to write the book. And and you see what the tie is between their two lives. And then the author has to rectify everything that she knows about Evelyn with how Evelyn intertwines into her own life. And of course, the author is also going through a divorce of her own and, and, and has these personal growths. Because of these conversations she has with Evelyn, and you know, so there's a there's a couple of different stories and and people to track. But I thought the, I mean, seven husbands and a wife worth of relationship <laughs> description <laughs> was, it, it just keeps you reading. I loved it.
1: Yeah, it's a great book. She's a and great. It's sad. Character. She is. That's sad because she's looking for her partner and all of this, you know, and she can't be with the partner that she would choose.
2: Right. I mean, the forbidden love aspect, certainly. Yeah. Um, And I and it was interesting, too, because her longest marriage of 15 or so years was with the man who she would call her soulmate and best friend, but wasn't the love of her life. Right. But she was extraordinarily happy with him. But their marriage was not one based on love or sex or any anything that you would think of in a conventional marriage. They truly were best friends yeah. and soulmates, which also was another fabulous relationship to
1: read about. So this is basically, this whole book is just a breakdown of adult relationships, you know, like what, how do you partner up with people? Really? It's not that, about the divorces. It's more about how an individual can relate in so many different ways on an adult level with another person.
2: And for some of the relationships, yes. And then other relationships were definitely transactions. They, yeah. they they were business decisions um either professional in order to move forward professionally or professional to preserve and and hide the the part of Evelyn that the public would shun if they found out and and some of the guys were dicks and and you felt bad for Evelyn you're like oh you know she's she's it's just it literally is transactional like she she married the guy because she had to sleep with the guy and then had to you know, check a box for the public and you know, her heart's not in it, her she's just there letting it happen and it's really well written. And I can't read in the car, except I tend to get car sick, but I was so excited to read this book and I was on a five hour car ride and I wasn't driving <laughs> and I I figured it out and I was like, Oh, this is so good. <laughs> good. Highly recommend
1: it.
0: Nice. Yeah, I love that book too. Yeah, I love it when you you have to read a book so badly, you'll make yourself barf for Mm -hmm. it.
1: (laughs) That's true love. I have a good book. Josie, what about your book? Oh, I read such a good book. I read Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. And Aileen and Alyssa both told me to read it. And thank you. I so enjoyed it.
0: Wait, and when you started reading it, you were bitching about how
1: long it was? Oh, I picked it up. I was like, what the? (laughs) Well, Okay, so I had to put a hold on it at my library. And then for some reason, it took them forever to say, hey, your book's here. So
3: It's still a very popular book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. After all these years. Yeah. Such a beautiful book. Well, it's not it's all these years, years it came out, you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, it came out in 2018. But, but you know, still. it's been around for four years. That's a, a long time. Anyway, so I had to wait forever for it. And I was like, I didn't know if I was going to get it in time. And I was like, oh, no. I was like, I'm going to be up all night reading like I'm cramming for a final or something. Right. Um, but no, it's, I, I loved this book. So it was written by Delia Owens. Um, this is the, this was her debut fiction novel. So she's written, um, books before she has three nonfiction books out. Um, one of them is the cry of the Kalahari, which was a New York times bestseller in the nonfiction category. So she's, she's written before, but this was her first foray into fiction. And she's had such, she's had just such an interesting life. If you look up on her um her website. I love going to authors websites to see mm-hmm. what they say about themselves. So I think it's just really interesting how people present themselves. And all of the pictures that she has are sort of of her doing her research out in Africa with her husband. Her husband's always taking the picture. Like if you look at who the pictures credited to, it's always her husband who was her research partner. And they lived out in the Kalahari and they studied hyenas and she wrote um her doctoral thesis for U.C. Davis, I think, uh, University of California at Davis, on the denning instincts of hyenas or something like that. And one of the big things that she researched was how mammals, intelligent mammal group, they are groups of females. So it's all about this female family, and the men come and go for mating and for dinner. But really, it's the lion pride, it's the elephant herd, it's the hyena pack, and they're all females. And Women raise each other in this denning way. Like the wolf mother and her daughters raise the next generation together. Wait, you're getting off track, Josie. I'm not at all. This oh, actually okay. this this That's goes into the, the book. So Sorry. all of this stuff. One of the things that I noticed about where the crowd dad sings, the story is basically about this girl named Kaya that they call she's called the Marsh Girl. And she is abandoned at a very young age. She's seven years old. When her mother leaves, her mother has like a an episode because she, her husband is extremely abusive um her mother leaves her elder siblings all leave and eventually her father leaves and she's for she lives and survives and raises herself in the North Carolina marshlands so it's not the swamp it's marshlands in North Carolina this starts it the book starts in 1952 and it goes up to 1970 and it's told third person, dual perspective. So we have an event that happens, a murder that happens that right at the beginning of the book, this guy named Chase is killed. And the Marsh girl is the suspect. She's like the only suspect that they ever really have for it, even though they can't even prove that he was murdered. His body is found. So we go from that event in 1969, but it starts, the book starts with basically her family all leaving her and why they leave her and how they leave her to fend for herself out in the middle of this marshland. And um, the whole beginning of the book that starts in 1952, the beginning of the book is very much this meditation on loneliness. This girl is all by herself. She has no one. Um, There's this one other boy, his name is Tate. And he was friends with her elder brother who also abandons her. Everyone has left her. And Tate teaches her how to read and they eventually fall in love, but he goes away to school and he abandons her. Then uh, along comes Chase, this other guy who's Mr. Quarterback, super popular. And Chase wants to be, like he sees her. She's beautiful. Let's just clear the decks. If she was butt ugly, buck tooth, like fangled like all strange looking <laughs> living out in the middle of the woods I do not think these men would come to like teach her how to read or have relationships <laughs> with her let's just let's just get that right off the table she is gorgeous and she's this beautiful wild woman and she knows all about the marsh and she's super intelligent and she paints like she since she couldn't read when she was younger she learned how to paint pictures of things so that she could keep everything separate so that she could communicate.
3: She's sort of like a, didn't she kind of like chronicle the marsh a little bit? Like, Yeah,
1: that's what, it, that's where it goes eventually. So Tate, yeah. the boy who teaches her how to read, he's really into biology and he starts leaving her all these science books and she educates herself and to the point where she's so well-educated that eventually in, in her twenties, she starts painting these books about chronicling the marsh life. So she's the all the different birds or the sea grasses is another book that she does. So there are these illustrated books that chronicle the life of the marsh, and you can kind of see the overlap with Delia Owens's life, as she you know she was out there studying wildlife, and and you definitely feel like those wildlife parts are the way that she handles nature and the way that she describes nature in the books is is beautiful writing, and uh, you feel this deep connection with the marsh and with this very endangered habitat this habitat that everybody wants to take and drain and fish and use for their own their own uses and you see chase is very much like the the boy is very much like the modern world we just want to take and take and take from nature and he just wants to take and take and take from the marsh girl you know like he just wants to sleep with her he wants he wants to be the first guy to get her type of thing so there, there's definitely parallels between the wild that's in the Marsh Girl and the n- natural wildlife out in the world. So she is the symbol for this wild world and how you can want to study it and be a part of it and teach it and learn it like Tate did. Like Tate wanted to be a part of the marsh and he wanted to spend his life studying it and da da da. But he eventually abandons her too. Anyway, uh-huh. what it all comes <laughs> down to is this Marsh girl is always watching people. And she's this very lonely girl with only these two guys and this guy named Jumpin, who's more like a father. He, he fills up her, he has the Jumpin shack and he like fills up boats. He's got like this, I don't know. he, he, also he sells, sells gas
2: and gas and fish and jerky. It's on, on
1: the dock, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: He has that dock, like In the it. corner store, but the boat version or the Marsh version
1: of the corner store for boaters. And so those are the, the, that's the only contact that she has with the outside world. And other than that, she watches. And there's this one group of girls. And this was something, and it was one of the things about the book where I was like, why did she do this? It's only men who seek her out and men who are fascinated with her and that want to teach her and want to be a part of her life or want to have sex with her or whatever. There are no, the only women that she sees is from afar. And there's this longing, like she wants to be part of this girl group and she sees them a couple of times and she only knows them from, you know, always wears pearls or tall, skinny blonde or, right. but there's this yearning in her that was so poignant. And I was like, why did Delia Owens write it like that? Why did she only write that men came into this girl's life? Why didn't, you know, I used to spend a lot of time kicking around in the woods. I know you girls did too. There were no women that ventured out to the swamp and were just like, I'm going to see if what the Marsh Girl's up to. Like no women ever did that. No women ever went looking for it. It was only men. And I felt like that was the one thing that was missing from this book. But Delia Owens did it on purpose. Like she understands what the girl group means and what it means to be raised outside of that. Like to be, you can live without a man, but you really can't, you're not, there's something horrible and super lonely about not having girls around you. And it just intensified my feelings towards the Marsh Girl, that she had nobody to even teach her what her period was. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a definite choice and it was something that I thought was very interesting. I'd love to see the other book. First of all, I would wait in line for any book that Delia Owens writes. Like she, <laughs> she's a really good writer. Yeah, she's awesome. And I want the book that's about the girl group. She dedicated Where the Crawdads Sing to her lifetime childhood friends that she's had since she was six years old. Oh, yeah. That's who she dedicated the book to. The three girls who she's had her entire life, no matter where they've lived and who's moved off this way and that way. She didn't dedicate it to her husband, who she spent all this time with. It was to her best girlfriends. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, there is something, So lovely, not only about that, like just doing that, but the fact that the thing that's missing, the thing that makes you, that made me connect the most with the Marsh Girl and that made me feel like Kaya needed love so desperately. It's because she didn't have her girl crew. And it's it's a part, it's it's just such an interesting way to look at the book. There's a lot of poetry in it. Mm -hmm. You know, I like my poetry and my poetry and my story and my story. But yet again, Delia Owens uses the poetry as an important plot point that you don't understand until the end of the book. But I was reading through it and I was like, girl, don't use poetry. Don't use somebody else's world to set the mood for me. Like you set the mood for me. Don't quote somebody else. That always bothers me when people are like, I'm going to borrow from this better writer than me and stick it in my book. And, you know, that'll set the mood for me. But she doesn't do that. She's using the poetry as a plot device that you don't get until the end. There's something very important about the poetry in this book. So even if you're you're not a poetry person, just stick it out because (laughs) the prose in this book are beautiful, um, totally worth it. I loved it. I really loved it, you guys. And it was something, Lauren, if you haven't read it yet, read oh, it. Oh,
3: I have.
0: Oh, oh, I loved that oh geez, I'm oh, yeah. late to the party. You're the only one. I'm, I'm the, only
3: the only one way. who hasn't read it.
0: <laughs> oh, do you know. have any passages to read from it or anything? I use you? I do. There's this
1: one part. So there's just, Kaya didn't ask if he had more family, now gone. His mom must have left him too. This is her and Tate. Part of her long to touch his hand, a strange wanting, but her fingers wouldn't do it. Instead, she memorized the bluish veins on the inside of his wrist, as intricate as those sketched on the wings of a wasp. Kaya, this is her watching the girls play. Kaya found herself laughing softly with them as they kicked salt water on one another. Then, shrieking, they rushed as one into the deeper surf. Kaya's smile faded when they pulled themselves out of the water and into their traditional group hug. Their squeals made Kaya's silence even louder. Their togetherness tugged at her loneliness but she knew being labeled as marsh trash kept her behind the oak tree. There's also this deep connection between her and the, there's this metaphor of her and the wildness of the marsh and like how, anyway, now I'm not going to read that part because it's depressing. There's like, you know, there are all these people who are like, let's drain the marsh. Let's, you know, and all that stuff. Let's, and there's also this, the guys, the boys come to tag her house. Like it's this rite of passage. You're such tough guys for running to the marsh girl's house in the middle of the night and hitting her door and then running away. Like that makes them men or something. (laughs) Like, and like dudes have to like tag stuff. They've got to, you know, they've got to damage it or leave their mark. Like they can't. And that makes them men. I don't know. There was like this wonderful connection between that and how all the guys wanted to, there, there was all this talk about draining the marsh and she eventually buys up all this land around her with the money that she makes from publishing her books, just keep it wild. And I, d- I thought it was it was very in touch with conservationist efforts without being yeah. preachy. And the metaphor wasn't overused. I just felt like there was this deep love of the land. Beautiful, just gorgeous. I'm so glad I read it. I'm so this, glad I read it. It was this, fantastic.
0: This, this might be the first book that all four of us have read and we've all really liked.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I, there's, there's, to me, there's, just, there's nothing to dislike about that book. Yeah, it's so well written. The prose is beautiful. You can tell that the author is a naturalist, and mm-hmm. you gain so much from that. It's just beautiful.
1: Yeah, it's it's a lovely perspective. Her being a naturalist and her also having done all these studies on female socialization and what that means for mammals, yeah. and like yeah. without yeah. it ever being without it ever being like a uh, like too scientific. Although I'm sure Alyssa, you'd love that. Like. <laughs> No, I thought it was a good balance. Yeah, with, with her observations
2: and yeah, the the animal behavior and mm-hmm. and the
1: the metaphors. I I liked it. I will say though, I'm not really one of those like trial people. And the whole yeah. last third of the book, it's mm-hmm. Kaya's trial. I thought she broke it up well. She didn't spend too much time, um, like in the courtroom. Hear ye, hear you. and I'm like let's hear the evidence. Like they kind of she sort of pushes through that very quickly, which I appreciate because I'm not one of those like pelican brief loving people who like, I want a courtroom drama. I can't even watch those TV shows. Like they're just not for me, you know? Right. Um. But you can't handle the truth. You can't handle it. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Those aren't my, those aren't my favorite movies. Or those aren't my favorite stories, but it's only like the back third of the book is that, is a little bit of that. But I think she balances it well with what Kaya is going on outside of the trial. So yeah, a little bit of everything in this here book. And I'm not going to tell you how it ends. <laughs> mhm, anyway, I loved it
3: it's
0: all pretty, right, it'll be a good movie.
3: I know I know I was looking it at better this, be a good. Movie. It. I don't want yeah, if it's ruined for me, I'm not gonna be happy, either.
1: but it can never ruin it. The book is always the book,
3: I you know, see the movie
1: here's the thing, even if the like the movie isn't as good as the book the the book never goes away. It's like the book is still True. there, you know You're right. get,
0: you can go put the book back <laughs> in your head after the movie if you need to, yeah and
1: again. Although sometimes it is hard to like erase the faces, and if they've totally cast mm-hmm. wrong, and you're just like that dude does not look like the right dude. I know that's a little hard to go back after. Yeah.
2: I've been there. I have some books like that. I don't appreciate the way they didn't consult me for the movie. <laughs>
3: I know. They're I know it's a them. Well, ladies, I've been right. up since three. Yep. Oh, time goodness. to pack it in. Why were? Why have you been up since three? You just couldn't sleep. Yeah, I woke up and then I was like, I'm just gonna get up and. I drank coffee and wow, and read my book. And I just couldn't get back to
1: yeah, I've done that too. Like, I don't know what that is.
0: Now you have me yawning. I know, I know. know. Stop it. It's nice chatting with you all again. So good
1: to see you. That was a lot of fun. Oh. We'll figure out what we're reading next week later. Wait,
0: next week? Two weeks?
1: Two weeks? Two weeks? Two weeks? We'll figure it out later.
0: Wait, I thought we were doing books that your daughters recommended. That's we're going to
1: do YA books that your daughters recommended.
0: I like. That. I well. pretty much have been. <laughs>
2: <I'll just laughs> have and and then Ella took my book from last time. Not not your last time because I wasn't with you with Beth Revis. But the time before that, the only woman in the room. Ella saw mm-hmm. that and I told her about it and she scooped it up. She's almost done. She likes I it. I
1: love that you and your daughter share books. I mean, I like reading graphic novels with my daughter, but
2: I
3: can't <laughs> no, wait till she and I can- little though, right. right
1: now, she's just little.
3: All right, guys, I gotta go. Okay, okay. Right now, okay. Bye. Bye. Love you all. Happy birthday, Alyssa. Happy birthday, Alyssa. <laughs> <Sarah. laughs> well, we're gonna celebrate soon, kid. <laughs> it's a date. It's right. Bye. 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 Bye.
1: You've been listening to Fiction Between Friends. To find the show notes for this episode or to subscribe and get new episodes delivered automatically, visit FictionBetweenFriends.com. Also, if you happen to have a moment and you've liked what you've heard, please help support our podcast by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. We would be immensely grateful. Thank you for listening.